We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody. Thanks for joining the CFB Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Trochi, Senior Editor here at Sporting News, alongside Bill Bender, Lead College Football Writer here at Sporting News. And uh, welcome to our Wednesday edition. We have a Wednesday edition and a Thursday edition of the All-America Podcast. Welcome into the Wednesday edition. And uh, Bill, when you look at, uh, if, when you include week zero, okay, you got week zero, one, two, three, four in the books. That's five weeks in the books, and the, the season's 15 weeks long. We're already headed into the second trimester of the season. <laughs> Time is just flying by on us. Yeah, it goes quick. It does. And, uh, you know, definitely enjoying every week as much as we can. I think this is the first real week in terms of we might get some separation. Um, which which should be a lot of fun, uh, and and I'm looking forward to it. it. Should be a good good week, good good group of games, and you know, of course, we'll see who the next coach to get fired is. Oh man, so yeah, it seems every week, every Sunday, <laughs> we're getting news. Uh, this Sunday it was Georgia Tech and Jeff Collins did not make it through his fourth season on the flats. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. He was in a difficult situation to begin with. They never showed any progress. Uh, I'm not sure how many coaches would have succeeded in his position, uh, trans, you know, transforming from a, an option offense to a more traditional pro style set and dealing with the pandemic in the second year, dealing with difficult schedule, non-conference wise, a lot of ranked teams in addition to, to league play, but, you know, things started to fall apart a little bit at the end of last season, they got blown out by Georgia, like blown out by Notre Dame. Things did not uh, – Jamar Gibbs transferred in the offseason. Things did not get better. The writing was in, on the wall for them. And you wonder what would have happened if you – know, he probably would have had a little easier time if the immediate eligibility transfer rule was in when he came in to try to change the offense all around. That was not in place. That might have helped him a little bit. But regardless, Georgia Tech needs to move forward. And I ask you, dare they look at former Brave slash Falcon Deion Sanders, the Atlanta hero, to come back to Atlanta and revive this program? I mean, they can look, but I don't think he's going to go there. I, I 
don't know if that job is big enough. I don't know if it's successful enough. If you look at Georgia Tech from, you know, the playoff era, essentially, they opened with an 11-3 season under Paul Johnson. They were really good that first year of the playoff era. They're 34-53 and 53 cents, which is comparable to a Maryland, their old partner in the ACC. I don't know that this program is big enough, good enough, has what it takes to, to catch Georgia good enough to attract Deion Sanders. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it is, but it's a program that, I mean, you're closer to it being there in Atlanta. That's just not, doesn't resonate nationally like it used to maybe in the nineties and early two thousands, even, and even with Paul Johnson and spots, it just doesn't, you know, then that's going to be the challenge. It shouldn't be like that. There's enough high school talent down there to be really good. Paul Johnson was very successful. I don't think people realize how successful he was and how successful the program was. I mean, they, what is it? I'm looking at it right now from 1997 to 2014. They went to a bowl game every single season. That's 20 years or almost, right. you know, almost 20 years. So not a lot of programs can say that, you know, they never were like elite elite, right? Uh, Paul mm-hmm. Johnson got him to one orange bowl, but they were very consistent and they have kind of dropped off a cliff since he left. People were not thrilled with the, option offense when Johnson was there. They never really finished in the top 25 too often under Paul Johnson, but they were always solid. And now they got to get back to solid and they got to get back in a hurry because no one in the ACC is waiting for them and you got Georgia down the road. Um, It is an attractive job in certain respects that I don't think the expectations are through the roof. Like you said about the recruiting base, We've got Nebraska open right now. We've got Arizona State open right now. We've got Georgia Tech open right now. Considering all the factors weighing in pressure, weighing in potential, weighing recruiting base, how would you rank them? One, two, three. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Nebraska's still one. It's it's got the most money. It's got the most prestige. It's in the division where I think you could have the most success quickly. Um, you know, and you could say Georgia Tech, yeah, they went to an ACC championship game, but yeah, and they were competitive in the one I went to when they played Florida State. I just think Nebraska is the best job of the three. And, and even though it is where Atlanta, obviously Georgia Tech's located in the best job of the three from a high school talent standpoint. I just think you're Georgia's little brother. Um, Arizona State would be third. I, I just think in that Pac-12, 
with USC and UCLA leaving with potential more for room for realignment, they could be closer to a Mountain West program than a Power Five program in, in the future. So, yeah, I, I would still think Nebraska will attract the biggest names, and we'll see how that goes. They certainly have the most support of the three, but they probably have the smallest recruiting base of the three in terms of local mm -hmm. uh, talent. So there's that. Now, one name that might join our list is who? Brian Harson. We talked about him last week. Auburn miraculously escaped Missouri somehow. Bruce Feldman reported on Saturday morning that if Auburn lost to Missouri, he was probably going to get fired. They came about as close as you can possibly come to losing to Missouri without actually losing to Missouri. And he survived. Uh, for those people who missed that game, Missouri had a 26-yard field goal lined up on the last play of the game to break a tie. Harrison Mevis, Missouri kicker, including extra points, inside 30 yards, was 94 for 94 in his career on those kicks. He shanks it, 26-yarder. And then in overtime, Auburn takes the ball, goes backwards, misses a 47-yard field goal. Missouri lines up offsides, gives Auburn another lucky break. Auburn kicks the next field goal good. And then Auburn's third lucky break comes when running back Nathaniel Pete is breaking towards the end zone, is almost in the end zone, is reaching about the half-yard line. The ball slips out of his hand without getting hit. Auburn falls on it in the end zone, and lucky break number three goes to the Tigers. Brian Harson wins the game. Auburn wins the game, and he's kept his job so far. But how much longer will he, Bill? I mean, if, if you're going to have a report leak that he's going to be fired, then just fire him. I mean, what are we even doing? Like you, you, so you beat Missouri and you're keeping your job and the way they, man, that's dumb. That's just bad practice. Um, just fire him, you know, get rid of him if you're going to do that. And obviously um, we've kind of looked at that and that's a more acceptable business practice in college football. Now, if you're going to do that with Scott Frost, if you're going to do that with Jeff Collins, just fire him there. You're wasting our time. I can't believe, I mean, I saw bits and pieces of the end, but I was flipping between that and Clemson wake from the press box. So I don't, I, I don't understand that. Like hanging and the way that they should have lost the football game, Missouri absolutely should have won the game. So <laughs> multiple times, as you spelled out, I just, you know, there, there's no sense in me having a lame duck coach. If you're going to do that, if not, and you know, that they'll end up doing it. Does that mean they have to beat LSU this week? I think they could get destroyed by LSU at Jordan Hare this week, and that'll probably be the the pushover point. Yeah, and we talked about this new trend of of coaches getting fired in September and October. It never, it, even three, four years ago, you did the research. It, it, it's sort of uh, a lot more common than it was, like I said, even three years ago, even five years ago, even 10 years ago. But it feels like athletic departments, rather than being too impatient, they might be making good decisions by, by cutting ties early when they know it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's part of the game right now. And, and we saw that last year. There were five Power 5 coaches that were gone by Halloween. Clay Helton, Ed Orgeron, Nick Rolovich. Matt Wells, Gary Patterson capped that off. I remember I was at a campfire thing or not a campfire, but like sitting around a bonfire and Gary Patterson got fired. 
So it, I think it's to get a head start on the next cycle. You get the next coach, and that's the way it works. And if anybody faults that and says, you know, it's unfair to the kids or it's unfair to the senior, it's unfair to the seniors. It's not unfair to everybody else. You can transfer wherever you want now. You can go. Um, you can get NIL wherever you want now. So I mean, coaches are going to do the same thing. And if you you always see that phrase, it's a business decision. Well. This is a business decision for the school. And some of them are making bad ones by doing it before the buyout. But it's going to be, like I said, a more acceptable business practice for better or worse in the future. Because I think you could see a couple more. I don't. I, I can't believe that every Sunday we've had a firing and, and we'll probably have one this week. And then who knows we'll be next. They'll probably be Carl Durrell. Carl Durrell, we talked about him. He's probably next. And you saw... You just mentioned USC. They're off to a good start. Texas Tech, they're off to a good start. LSU, they're off to a good start. Three and one with just a one-point loss to Florida State. You mentioned TCU. They're undefeated. What was the fifth school you said? September and October from last year. Washington State, they're three and one. They're off to a good start. So very interesting to see that it, it actually did pay off, at least early, for those schools that pulled the trigger early. Let's take a look back at one of the biggest games of week four, and that was Tennessee staying undefeated, beating their nemesis, Florida. Florida had won 16 of 17, a 38-33 in a game that Tennessee dominated for three and a half quarters and then had to hold on a little bit down the stretch. Gator scored two touchdowns in the final seven minutes, got an onside kick, came down, had the ball, I believe, at the Tennessee 39-yard line with just a few seconds left. They were not in position to tie the game because Billy Napier decided to go for two when he was down 17 and failed, and then he went for two when he was down 11, which made sense at that point. But if if they had kicked both extra points uh, after they recovered the onside kick, they would have been in position for a game-tying field goal. I don't know if he took much heat for that. I didn't like the decision when he did it, but uh, regardless, Tennessee escapes. Uh, what does this mean for the balls moving forward? Um, yeah, it means it's a good time for a bye week because they can hide with the top 10 ranking and they can be out of sight, out of mind. Um, means they have an elite offense. The only teams that are averaging more points right now are Michigan, Oklahoma State, and Ohio State. So, I mean, yeah, that offense is awesome. There was some holding their breath. I mean, I'm sure some Tennessee fans were like, Oh, here we go again with Florida at the end. But you know, at the end of the day, I was impressed with how Hendon Hooker answered everything from Anthony Richardson. If they can come out here in a couple of weeks and beat LSU, that won't be easy because everybody's going to be peeking ahead to the possibility of them playing Alabama and uh, trying to break the 15-game losing streak to the Crimson Tide. And we have them projected in the Sugar Bowl. But that's looking ahead. So I, I think Josh Heupel's challenge is just keeping them in the moment over the bye week into that LSU game, try to get to 5-0. and oh, And uh, that, that could make for a really good game at Alabama with Alabama coming into Neyland for their next home game. And we talked about Alabama's road struggles, and we feel like, at least we each talked about, we think somebody's going to get them on the road. And Tennessee looks to be the best choice right now, ranked at number 10. Speaking of rankings – you and I had an informal bet. We never put stakes on it. So hmm. the fact that I lost doesn't mean I have to pay anything up because we never agreed. But I said a 4-0 Kansas would get ranked coming off a win over Duke. And they were the top team 
in also receiving votes. They are at 26. They were not ranked. There's a T-shirt out saying, <laughs> rank us, rank KU us at Kansas. It was already printed T-shirts asking to get into that AP poll. Uh, Kansas State, ironically, their in-state rival is at 25. Knocked them out. They are 3-1. and one. They're not 4-0. and oh. Kansas, Kansas State, number 25. Bill, who you got? I mean, Kansas should be ranked, but I'm not doing a Twitter campaign to get them ranked. I mean, <laughs> they, they, what, like, why would you buy that T-shirt? <laughs> like, look, give me a good reason why you should buy that T-shirt. They're it, on what, fire, the, baby. They're on the, fire. The shelf life is 72 hours. <laughs> Are they going to print those if they lose to Iowa State? I mean, gotta, I, they, I'm happy for Kansas. I am. I think Lance Leopold's doing a great job. The offense is – I went back and looked. I was like, well, they are scoring more points than I thought they were. Um, they should be ranked ahead of Kansas State. But I don't understand, and this is what I was talking about last week, the phenomenon of, like, poor Kansas. I mean, and Kansas, look at them. They're so awesome. Like, come on, man. They just won a national championship in basketball. So I don't I'm not care about their fan base, having this long-suffering fan base all the way back to March when they cut or April, when they cut down a net. So give me a break there. Um, you know, and, and that, that, okay. And then this is something you and I did argue about. You said that 2007, when they went 12 and one and went to, they won the orange bowl. And you said that's ancient history. So if that's ancient history, that means app state's ancient history. When they beat Michigan, that means less miles winning the national title is ancient history. I don't think so, man. Mark Mangino, we all know who he is. I've seen them win a BCS bull. So I'm not like overwhelmed by their success. The string of pitiful seasons that Kansas has had over since what 2009, I think, where they had not won more than three games makes 2007 feel like ancient history yeah. more and more with each passing year. And they just have a great resume for an early season type of situation, beating two road wins at West Virginia and at Houston. Not great, but they're not your typical power five non-conference games or West Virginia's a conference game. But And then to beat Duke was, again, uh, it was a 3-0 and Duke team that's decent. They've played well this year, even though they were not very good last year. They have proven to be a decent team. Um, so I think – you know, Jalen Daniels has been a terrific at quarterback. I real I watched that Houston game. They look very, very dominant against a Houston team that, like I said, I think they're gonna finish eight and eight wins, nine wins in that neighborhood. This is gonna be the high point of Kansas' season. Maybe they get Iowa State this weekend at home. They're two and a half, three point underdogs or something like that. But I I look at the rest of their schedule. I don't think they're gonna be favored the rest of the season. I think they can get to six wins. They're not going to go from three and nine to nine and three, right? But they, they could, could go six and six. They could go six and six. They could get a bowl. I just, I mean, if you look at their schedule, where where do you think they might even be favored? I mean, because they they could get, they could compete in the Big Twelve. That's the thing we talked about that this weekend. The Big Twelve's weird. I mean, nobody saw Kansas State beat Oklahoma like that, let alone with Adrian Martinez running all all over the place. Nobody, I mean, I missed Texas Tech beating Texas. Texas is another team that you look at their schedule and you're like, are they going to get six and seven wins now because of the way they're playing? And that's, I think the big 12, I don't think their champion will make the playoff because I think they're all going to beat up on each other. And the, the winner of the conference is going to have two or three losses. So 
that's why this conference is going to be excited about a 12-team playoff. So, I mean, maybe Kansas can get in there and win seven games, get to a good bowl game if they win eight. If they win this week, they'll be ranked, so that shirt will be outdated for after four hours. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think – and the other problem they're going to have is every time they win – Lance Leopold's going to become Nebraska's next coach and Auburn's next coach and Arizona state's next coach. And that he'll be the hottest commodity there is, which, so that's the double-edged sword of a program like that having success. Um, yeah, I'm not a Kansas hater. I'm just saying, you know, I would say, I can't say act like you've been there before because I watched him do it. Uh, as, as a, someone who's followed Vanderbilt, for a long time it's that is exactly what you said the double-edged sword of life at the bottom of the power five when you your team finally breaks through and you're enjoying it like james franklin did for three years the vultures are coming where's he going next and that becomes the focus of what should be a very fun season but yeah good job for kansas state third win over oklahoma in four years adrian martinez five touchdowns after that frustrating career at nebraska you got to feel great for him don't you yeah, I mean, because he's not turning the ball over. He hasn't thrown an interception. He he ran all over the place. It's such a weird college football irony that he, you know, he plays for Nebraska last year and turnovers and they lost to Oklahoma. Oklahoma comes off just clobbering Nebraska and then loses to the former Nebraska quarterback. It, it's just, it's one of those things. That's college football in 2022, though, these days, that you have those kind of player movement and you know, good for him. Good for Kansas State. I mean, they have Oklahoma's number. I've, you know, three out of the last four. That, that's something that, you know, you don't see. I haven't seen one like that in a while where, you know, the top dog in the conference keeps getting knocked off by one team. Syracuse gave Clemson trouble like two mm -hmm. or three years in a row and beat them. And that was just a weird phenomenon. This is the same type of thing. But Kansas State, they're coming off a loss to Tulane uh, after they, they beat Missouri by four touchdowns. Uh, prior to that so that was on their resume and some you know analysts thought kansas state was going to be good this year but they did not look good against tulane and then wow just again and, and it wasn't fluky they never trailed they were ahead of oklahoma the whole game when push came to shove in the fourth quarter they kept the foot on the gas and they they, they won the game i mean it wasn't it wasn't too fluky and like i said it was good for martinez i think everybody's pulling for him at, at kansas state let's talk a little another surprising team the Minnesota Golden Gophers, right? Mm -hmm. Very, very under the radar 4-0. Uh, there's a good reason why they're under the radar. Their first three games were against very, very subpar competition, but they hammered them, just like Michigan hammered their first three uh, non-conference opponents. Uh, Difference is when, when Minnesota actually played a, a Big Ten team, they crushed them. Michigan played a Big Ten team last week. Survived, won, but uh, did not dominate like Minnesota. So, you know, take Minnesota's stats with a grain of salt, given that they had three really, really easy wins. But they ranked number one in total defense at 188 yards a game, which is extremely low in today's college football. They're number two in the nation in scoring defense at six. So their defense has been solid. And then, of course, quarterback Tanner Morgan, he's been terrific. He went 23 for 26 against Michigan State for 268 yards. And then Mo Ibrahim, who hurt his uh, knee last year in the opener against Ohio State, he's got 400-yard games already, and he's second in the nation in rushing. So they've got they've got some offense, they've got some defense, 
And outside of a game at Penn State and maybe a home game with Iowa, schedule very favorable the rest of the way. Yeah, they're good. And they feel like the team that went 9-0 and a couple years ago. And uh, if they can take care of business against Purdue this weekend mm-hmm. in a ESPN2 game, one of those noon classics, my buddies, and I always like to joke about <laughs> that you can, when you were in college, you could finish off your hangover watching those games. But if they win there, they're going to be 6-0 and when they go to Happy Valley. And if they win there, they're going to be 10-0 when they go to I- or play Iowa. And they'll have they'll go eleven and one, I think. And uh, you know, one of the other stats that they best team in the nation at converting third downs, eighty two point nine percent, and not allowing third down conversion, seventeen point two percent. That's phenomenal coaching by PJ Fleck and Muhammad Ibrahim, hundred yards or more every game. They're tough. I mean, there's a team that should print some T-shirts that says "Rank us higher," so because they're going to be in there for a while. Um, if they take care, but Purdue's an interesting game for them. Now you got to handle, that's the other thing with teams like this that get into the top 25, albeit a Kansas state, Minnesota, Florida state. Okay. Now how do you handle it? You know, do, do, are they a team that gets in the top 25 then gets blown out by Purdue, which could happen? Um, we'll see, but I, I do think there's some staying power there. They haven't been to the big 10 championship game. Mm. So this is an opportunity for PJ Fleck. Who's, Shtick rubs some people. I don't even say the wrong way. It's just people shake their head at him sometimes. But what he's done there is pretty good. You know, pretty phenomenal coming off a nine-win season. No doubt. And I think the difference when you look at Kansas, for example, and, and Minnesota is I think Minnesota is going to be favored in a lot of games moving forward. And they do have a chance to win 10 games, 11 games. I'd be surprised if they don't win 10 games. So we'll see what happens this week with Purdue. That will be uh, – I, I, I don't want to call it a swing guy. I think Adrian O'Connell is questionable. I don't yeah, know if he's – He may play this week apparently. So an advantage there for the Gophers defense. So we'll see. It's exciting. And then P.J. Fleck, his, his name will bounce around for big jobs. You know it will. It always does if, if Minnesota keeps winning. So – Anyway, I think that is our Wednesday show. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Join us tomorrow. Thursday, we will look ahead to a tasty, very tasty slate of game of games in week five. Uh, so join us again tomorrow on the All-America podcast, and we will see you tomorrow. Thanks.